We have had a difficult week at Valley View. Many of you have things I don't even know about, but we've had a challenging week as all I could think about in my head as the words came through was, I feel like sheep who've lost a shepherd. Not that we don't have shepherds, we've got them, but there's one we don't have anymore. And I know it, we talked about that last week because it just happened that Saturday night, but now we've lived with it for a week. I have to keep reminding myself of why I'm not hearing his voice and why his smile and his humor is not here. That's kind of a strange thing. But I also know that we come together to worship this morning. We come together to give praise to God, and, and we're going to do that. And, and you don't have to be happy to do that, and you don't have to put aside everything. You don't have to leave stuff in your car. You don't have to leave stuff in your dorm. You don't have to leave stuff at your house and come here and act like everything's happy. You don't have to do that because God knew this was going to happen. And I'm, I'm looking out at a crowd where I know, and I know this is true. I know this is true. Uh, I, I know in this corner over here got college people. I know college time is like the greatest time of your life, right? Well, you know, I know for some people it's not. I know for some people when they go away from home and they leave everything behind, the pressure of, am I good enough? Am I going to do this? And all the hopes of the parents back home and the community back home, and you're carrying it with you, and you don't have everything solved yet. You don't want to show that because you're supposed to be having the time of your life. But I know that the anxieties of what am I want to do for my whole life, and if I don't declare a major that's perfect right now, and if I switch, it's going to cost me money, and all that stuff. And you might think that I, I can't bring that to church because people would find me weird, and so I'm not going to take that to church. I'm going to leave it in my car, and I'm going to go in the church building and act like everything's great. You don't have to do that here. You don't have to do that here. And young people, junior high and high school, trying to figure out who you are, and everybody's telling you a little bit of peace about what you, who you are and what you're supposed to do, and pressure on you, temptations around you, that weighs on you, overwhelms you, the peer group, it's, it's here. Don't leave that at home and separate that from who you are here. Bring it with you. God didn't say deny your cares before me. He said, cast your cares on me. That's what you're doing today. I can come across the room. People uncertain about what their future is. What am I supposed to be doing? I'm not really sure what my next move is, and it's time for the next move. What am I supposed to do? And they don't know, and it's overwhelming, and it's anxiety-producing. I can't show that, though. I've got to put a hanger in my mouth and be happy and smiley at church because we're, we're singing worship songs. We're supposed to act like nothing's wrong. God never said that to us. He said, bring it with you. It's going to change things. Bring it with you. So as you worship today, I don't want you to worship. And sometimes we even say this in our prayers, leave our troubles at home and think, of, no, you can't do that. That's impossible. We are not separated humans. Bring that stuff with you. In this section, Two people with cancer that we know of. Stage four for one, dearly loved, and her friends gathered around her are heavy laden today. And by the way, that cancer isn't in me, but I feel that because I love this lady. Do you? It, it's been around all week long. It just plagues your mind. She's going to fight it. We're going to fight it. We are going to fight it. But it's there. And then another one starting several weeks of chemo. I'm thinking, what does that look like? And that's just the stuff we know. And then there's worries galore. There's just worries. Worries is like 
clogging the, 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 the flow in your spiritual veins so that you end up with heart problems, all that stuff. We bring it all here. And some of you are hiding some stuff. We got marriage difficulties, challenges, and frustrations that are overwhelming. And you got to hide it all. You check it at the door, and you come in here, and you sing to God for a while, and then you pick it up as you leave, and nothing gets changed. Parenting issues, stresses and anxieties from all sorts of things. And I want to be a church where you bring the stuff with you. No, it's not part of every conversation. You don't fake it till you make it. Now, you do that sometimes, but y'all, you can't fake it till you face it. And the way you face it is going head on with God, bringing God into that stuff, praising God in the midst of that stuff. Don't separate the two. Bring it with you. It changes you and it changes things, but maybe not dramatically. You'll still have all that stuff when you leave, but something's going to be different. And God knew this. You see, the world has to deal with this stuff too. The world has to deal with anxieties too, and they try to medicate it as best they can. Drink this. Take this. Binge watch this. Get into this internet site. Go to this person. There's all sorts of things the world tries to medicate it. We don't medicate it. We face it with our creator who knows. And here's the beauty of it. And there's some of you, some of you, this is no problem. I understand it. Some of you will never really lament like we're going to do today because for you, for some reason, it's just the way God has it. That's the way life is. And you deal with it. Great. That's you. But for the other half of us, for the other half of us, we have to grapple with our emotions a little bit. And by the way, if you think you're more spiritual than the people who have to grapple with it, if, you, if everybody was like you, there'd be no Job. Job wouldn't even be in the book. You're looking at Job like, what's wrong with you? Just accept it and move on. Job can't do that. And God knows that. And God put that in the book to tell us, you don't have to deny everything. And you don't have to fake it till you make it. Bring it. Bring it to me. And today we're going to bring it to God. We're going to lay it right before him and just say, God, we're, we're confused. Overwhelmed. Anxious. Fearful. Why hide it from a God who made us and knows us better than we do? What are we doing when we do that? You wouldn't have half the Psalms, would you? Because you see, here's what God does. God knows this stuff's going to happen. And so he puts into his book, God-approved, God-inspired ways to take these things that are confusing and overwhelming and strong and intense and so liable to overwhelm you. He puts them in Psalms called communal laments. And he says, I want the whole community to share it. I don't want you to have to endure this by yourself. I want the whole community to share it and express it together because you're all feeling it together in one way or another. So let's share it. And then he gives you individual laments. Today we're going we're gonna to communally lament here today. And what you're going to learn is what are the parts, what are the ways to do this so that when you are alone on a Tuesday night and you're exhausted from the day and these feelings start overwhelming you again, you can go through the same process individually. God gives us to you individually and you can go through the same thing. And what it does is it takes your troubles to God and replaces them with faith. That's what faithful people do. The troubles are still there, but they look different when you put God into them. That's what we're going to do today. Let me share with you the experience of this lament. There are five parts. We're going to do three parts, and then we're going to actually experience them. And then we'll do the last two. 
We did it different for the early service and it felt too disjointed and so I want to do this a little different and Matthew is going to be ready to lead us and I want you to be paying attention. Here's the first move for your lament is it begins with a fancy word called convocation. It just means a cry to God. A cry. Don't say, dear Father in heaven. No. No, no. When, you are going, when you're feeling this, cry out. Cry out to him with as much intensity as you want, and you're directing it to God. He wants us to turn to him. He doesn't want you to turn to something. When you turn to something else, you make it into an idol. God wants to be the hero of his people, and his people need a hero. You see, a person, a God who's with you at all times that can handle anything, anything, any strong emotion you got, he's big enough to handle it. Nothing's going to threaten him. Nothing's going to overwhelm him. Nothing's going to offend him, unlike American culture. Nothing will offend our God as long as you take it to him long as you take it to him nothing else is sufficient anyway nothing else can handle all this stuff so you got Psalm 22 this famous line David used this when he was confused Jesus borrowed it when he was on the cross Paul later used it when he was facing death my God my God why have you forsaken me why have you separated yourself from me? You're so far from saving me, from the words of my groaning. Oh, my God, I cry out by day, you don't answer, and by night, but I find no rest. This, just cry out to God. God, I don't know where you are, but I know where to go. I don't know what to do with this. I can't handle this, but I know who my God is. You see, your God isn't your hero. He isn't your Savior. He isn't your rescuer until you learn to go to him with your stuff. And he wants you to. God is a God who says to his people, please, come to me. I want to rescue. The worst psalm, the saddest psalm, the one that ends with no hope is Psalm 88. And here's how it begins. O Lord, God of my salvation, I cry out day and night before you. Let my prayer come before you. Incline your ear to my cry. This is no time for small talk. I'm bringing everything here. I'm bringing everything to you. Psalm 130, out of the depths I cry to you, O Lord. O Lord, hear my voice. Let your voice, your ears be attentive to the voice of my pleas for mercy. Don't just look around, y'all. When you're feeling uncomfortable and the emotional pain of whatever you're going through, and it's weird, it can be the littlest of things, and maybe if you spoke it out loud, everybody would say, what's the big deal? But to you, it's a big deal, and God wants to be the one you take it to. And so quit trying to distract yourself with social media and a bunch of other binge-watching shows and other things that don't work. They don't work, y'all. They might give you a reprieve for a minute, but when you come back to it, it's worse than it was before. Don't take the world's offerings. Let God be your hero. Let God I'd be the one to listen. Why don't we do this more? We're going to do this in a moment. Second thing you do is you address God with an image. This is one of the, the, the weird, it's just, we're visual oriented people and those visual images mean something to us. It's like they, they're saying something to us. So God is, is, there's several different images that are used to convey this. He's my rock. You know, I, I will call upon the Lord. He's the rock of my salvation. He's rock. He's, he's your fortress. An impenetrable walled city is your God, so run to him. He is your hiding place. He's, you rest in the shadow of his wings. He's like a mother hen. He's your shield. 
And you learn to conceive of God by the image you use to describe him in your time of trouble. And he will become this to you. And what you need God to be, you don't have to use one of those images. I'm just saying the Psalms pile them up. They pile them up. And here's some examples of them. God is a refuge and strength and a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth gives way and the mountains are moved into the heart of the seas, right? Though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains quake and it's swelling and the... the, the the seas are churned up and it's terrifying. I have no control. I could drown. But I know God is our refuge and strength. You, O oh God, Psalm 3, are a shield about me. My glory and the lifter of my head. Psalm 31, notice over and over again, and you can pick your own image. Whatever, whatever conveys this to you and whatever can, can pr provide you some kind of comfort in this time. You are my rock and my fortress. For your name's sake, you lead and you guide me. You take me out of the net they've hidden for me. You are my refuge. Have you ever learned that when there's nowhere else to go, God is your refuge? Have you ever learned this? You need to, because once you learn that he is, it's easier to go there. It's easier to know. And instead of making it your last resort, it becomes your first. And then a third move, maybe the most dramatic, maybe the most offensive to us because I'll be honest with you as some of the song leaders and I tried to figure out a song that represents a bold lament we couldn't come up with any we are not used to do it's almost like we can't say this stuff out loud to God yes you can you must you must it's in your heart if it's in your heart he knows it's there and he wants you to just just give it to him he wants you to cast it to him but we don't have songs for this we do have one however let me give you the psalms and then I'm going to give you special instruction for that one song this is when you express those strong feelings within you. Maybe you're questioning God. Maybe you're accusing God. Maybe you don't know what to say, but here's you, you, you. How long, oh Lord, will I wait for you? How long is this feeling going to last? Why is this happening? You express the complaint. You express your pain. You name the feeling. And one of the most powerful things is naming what you are feeling. And sometimes the most confusing thing is you don't know what that word is. And so you grapple with it. And in prayer, you grapple with it. And, and then by knowing what the feeling is, you can get the, the, the right relief. Is it isolation? Is it shame? Is it danger? Is it loneliness? Is it despair? Is it anxiety. The, the word enemy appears a lot in these psalms, and the enemy, we, don't, we can't even identify who the enemy is for the psalmist in these moments. And as I think it's intentionally generic. What is your enemy? What is it that's attacking you? What feeling? What entity? Is it death? Is it sickness? Is it loneliness? <clears throat> is it fear? Name it. Call it your enemy. And when you name him, you get a power over them, especially when you name it in prayer. So it could be fear, it could be resentment that you're trying to let go of, it could be anger, it could be hurt, it could be loss, unmet expectations, dreams that have died. Here's Psalm 3. O oh Lord, how many are my foes? Many are rising against me. Many are saying of my soul, there's no salvation for him and God. You know what the people are saying? He's alone, and even God can't help him. And that's how he feels. 
Psalm 13, how long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? When are you going to show up? When are you going to do something? When are you going to resolve this angst in me? When you go, how long do I have to take counsel? How long do I have to talk myself into feeling okay to have sorrow or anger or resentment in my heart all the day? How long shall my enemy be exalted over me? Psalm 13. And then Psalm 44. Awake, why are you sleeping, O Lord? Rouse yourself, do not reject us forever. Why do you hide your face? Why do you forget your, my, our affliction and oppression? For our soul is bowed down to the dust. Our belly clings to the ground. Rise up, come to our help. Redeem us from the sake, for the sake of your, un, your steadfast love. Maybe you are, have a personality where none of this makes any sense to you. You've just always accepted and resigned yourself to whatever is. Bless you. But for the rest of us, this is a real feeling sometimes, and there are seasons like this. For the rest of us, it's, it's real, and it's, it's very intense inside of us, and we've got to do something with it, and God knows it. And God's saying to us, that's not wrong. That's not wrong to feel that way, but how you handle it is important. I want you to bring it to me, and I want you to know how to express it. And he put so many of those psalms in there to show us how, and we've just done it. We've just described reaching to the level of the lament. There's another side of this lament that we're going to acknowledge in a moment, but let's go through this season. When we get to that last song that's about the lament, I pour out my soul deep within me, deep within me. I pour out my soul. What I want you to do is I want you to reach down deep and whatever it is, whatever those anxieties are, whatever those feelings are, I want that to affect your diaphragm so much it causes you to just reach down deep and sing it like you mean it. And let's lament That member's hurting with such intense pain. And on, on their behalf, if you don't feel it and things are fine with you, that's okay and that's wonderful. I'm not asking you to fake anything. I'm asking you to absorb and identify with what some of our people are experiencing right now and put it in your heart. And I want you to, I want you to dig deep and I want you to sing that song. We're going to do these first three, me, three moves together now. God, you are my God, and I will ever praise you. Oh God, you are my God, and I will ever praise you. I will see you in the morning, and I will learn to walk in your ways and step by Yeah, 
that image that anchors you and you pour out your soul deep within you and to God and draw deeper to him. After that, the, the, the third move is an appeal for a specific response. You, you let God know what you're wanting him to do. Now, you know, again, God already knows what you need. You know that, but he wants to hear from you and he wants you to draw that out for him. Draw him a picture in your prayer of what you are asking from him. Is it healing? Is it his presence? Is it to resolve this dilemma? Is it to provide some kind of rescue or relief? Is it to overcome some kind of fear within you? And sometimes his presence is enough to do it even within that appeal. Are, are you trying to let go of something that's been done to you? Uh, somebody has done something wrong to you and you're like, get free of the hurt. Sometimes all it takes is that appeal. Is it peace in the place of your restlessness that for some reason is causing your mind to wander and you to feel overwhelmed? Is it confidence instead of anxiety. What is it you want? Here's what the psalmist says sometimes. Psalm number three, arise, O Lord, save me, O my God. You strike my enemies on the cheek. You break the teeth of the wicked. Salvation belongs to the Lord. Your blessing be upon your people. God, I want you to break the teeth of my enemies. You know what that means, right? Can't bite anymore. They can't bite anymore because of what God does for me. They can't hurt me anymore. And that's what you're asking for. It's a beautiful image. Psalm 13, consider and answer me, O Lord my God. Light up my eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death. Lest my enemy, 
whatever that is for you, say, I have prevailed over him, lest my foes rejoice because I'm shaken. These enemies want to overtake me and destroy my witness, my peace, my joy, my hope. And God, what I'm asking you to do is make sure that doesn't happen. Psalm 130, I wait for the Lord, my soul waits, and in his word I hope my soul waits. I'm going to wait right here and trust he's going to bring us more than a watchman for the morning, the one who stands on the wall waiting for the sun to come up, new mercies every morning, more than the watchman in the morning, which leads to step number five. Express your hope, your confidence, and your trust. This is not after the storm is over. This is in the midst of the anxiety. And this is the secret to laments. They are to take place in the middle of your trouble before you know how the story turns out. You do not have to wait till afterwards. It's in the middle of the story. And that confidence, you don't see it. You can't really express it because you don't feel it yet, but you know it's coming. Here's what hope means. Hope means that I can feel right now the peace that I know is going to come later. I can feel right now in the middle of the trouble the peace that I know will come later. I can borrow from my future that I know God's in control of even right now in the midst of the trouble. That's the beauty of this in the laments. Borrow from the expected future and offer praise right now. You picture how God's going to do this. And one of the most common ways in the Psalms of doing this is reviewing how God has rescued me or others in the past. You are not the first to go through this. And in fact, this may not be the first time you've been through this. And God has proven himself faithful in the past, and you can assume he will in the future. That's the beauty of the Psalms. Here's a couple of examples. Psalm 130. O Israel, this is at the end of that one I just read. I wait, I wait, I hope in the Lord. So I'm, I'm, I'm waiting like on the wall, waiting for the hope to come up, okay? And then the lesson is, O Israel, hope in the Lord, for with the Lord there is steadfast love, and with him there's plentiful redemption. He will redeem Israel from all his iniquities. This hasn't happened yet. This is future language, but we know it's going to happen. And I can take that to the bank right now in the present. Here's another one, my favorite, Psalm 46. This is after the earth is given way and falls into the heart of the seas. Come, behold the works of the Lord, how he's brought desolations on the earth. He makes wars cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear, burns the chariots with fire. And what's the moral of the story? Be still and know I am still God in the midst of all this. I'm still God, and I will be exalted in this. Let's sing that.
Thank you for that singing today. These are the five moves we've done today. We've cried out to God and addressed him through images and lamented boldly, appealed for specific help, and then expressed confidence and trust that he's going to make sense of all, all this. This is just uh, total humanity and transparency. We're saying we're not in control of much of anything. Uh, the beauty of this is that you don't have to handle things yourself, that you have God with you at all times 
and you can be bold and you can be confident even as you're humble and yielding to him. That's the posture of faith. So thank you for lamenting with me, and I pray that you'll participate in that as needed in your own life. The entire worship service has been about that. We began with communion. And what communion is, is an ugly Friday when Jesus suffered excruciating pain and died. And it seemed senseless and it seemed hopeless to people. And all Saturday, it seems like a meaningless day. Nothing really happens on that Saturday. He just lies dead. And the hopes all seem kind of useless. And then God takes that suffering of Friday and he, he exalts himself through it. He shows victory through it that God uses that suffering to provide atonement. The heart of the gospel is this. We serve a God who takes suffering and he redeems it. And there's something about it that serves his purpose. And so if there's someone here this morning going through this lament, you know that, that, that what you're saying to yourself, the thing that I have most that, to, to grieve over is a lost condition before God. I don't have God to cry out to. I don't have a Savior who saved me. I don't have the Holy Spirit to equip me to come into the presence of God. There's no reason to leave here without it. We've celebrated it at the beginning. We've talked about it all the way through, and now we're saying to you, we have a suffering Savior who took your suffering and wants to give you wholeness. He wants to give you freedom. Why in the world would you not let him do that for you? That's the most hopeless estate to be in. And this morning, we want to appeal to you, if there's anyone here who's never responded to the gospel, the gospel is good news because it satisfies what is your bad news, that you have a separation from God, and there's no reason to be grieving that today. There's a reason to be just throwing that off and accepting his gracious provision. So this morning, if you need to respond to the gospel and want to be united with with God through the, through the sacrifice of Christ in the waters of baptism, that is available to you right now as we stand and sing to encourage you.